0: Real people in unreal situations.
1: There is a
2: man
3: standing in front of me in my bedroom.
0: Mites
2: friend has been shot. I'm literally
0: inside the river, and I'm inside my car. He
4: had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire.
0: If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you.
4: And he
5: was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. I
0: jumped on the hood of the car, and I held on.
5: And I looked into the garage, and he was hanging from the rafters.
0: I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them
6: to our land.
7: An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did.
0: And in the end... What will I become?
5: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2.
0: Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, this is Scott, the host of the show, and this is a bonus episode. If this were a regular episode, you'd be hearing someone telling the story of how they survived a mass shooting or when they got attacked by a grizzly bear, or that time they won $100,000 on Wheel of Fortune, we have guests on with all kinds of crazy stories and they tell exactly what happened firsthand. But this episode is different. A while back, I asked my listeners to send in their stories about a specific topic, childbirth, what happened, what went right, and in some cases, what went wrong. This is real life, and not every story has a happy ending. I also wanted to let you know about a special story that I got from Sylvia in Australia about her experience with postpartum psychosis. This is a very unusual story. Sylvia recorded it, but there was an issue with the audio, so I couldn't include it in the actual podcast. However, you can read it in the show notes for this episode at whatwasthatlike.com slash 91. I really enjoyed hearing these stories, and to those who sent one in, thank you. And if you have a story about something unusual that's happened to you, not necessarily related to childbirth, but anything unusual or interesting, hang around and at the end I'll tell you how we might be able to use that here on the podcast in a future episode. And now, let's hear about those babies.
6: Hi, Scott. This is Christy from Mississippi. I have an interesting childbirth story that I wanted to share. On January 20th, 1997, I was pregnant with my second child, a daughter. I woke up around 4.20 a.m. with contractions about five minutes apart. My husband and I left home shortly after 4.30 a.m. and dropped off our two-year-old son at the babysitter's. We headed south for a 45-minute drive to the hospital. At this time, my contractions were four minutes apart, but soon after that, they started getting closer and a little bit stronger, but I still wasn't too alarmed. I told my husband to call our parents and let them know that we were on our way, but to tell them not to rush because it would be a while. However, my daughter had other plans. We were about 15 minutes from the hospital when my water broke, and I could tell that my daughter would be born very soon. My husband kept driving, and he was about to pass under an interstate when the time had come. I could feel the baby starting to come out. My husband pulled over, and he called the highway patrol from the car phone and was immediately connected to the ambulance service dispatcher. By the time the ambulance arrived, my baby was here. Her father wrapped her in his leather jacket because it was a very cold night. After a quick ride in the ambulance, we arrived at the hospital thankfully everyone was healthy and we had quite a story to tell. Not only did we get an applause from the doctors and the staff as we were entering the hospital, but two local newspapers came and interviewed us about the experience. None of our family made it in time to see the birth and they actually had no idea that she had even been born in the car until a baby with our last name was brought into the nursery. It was definitely a crazy experience that I would not recommend to anyone else. Thanks, Scott, for letting me share.
4: I'm a mother of two. I have one girl and one boy. Uh, There's a huge age difference. I had some fertility issues, but uh, I had my baby. My daughter was 13 at the time when my son was born. It's been three years now since I've had him. But during my pregnancy, I was induced at 41 weeks because I was measuring at 35 weeks. So we figured he'd be rather small. The doctor asked me how big my daughter was for comparison, and I said, well, six pounds, 13 ounces, 21 uh, inches long. She was a pretty easy labor. Had her within four hours, no pain, like no drugs, no medication. It, it was pretty easy. So, with my son, I ended up being in labor for 13 hours, and then uh, he shocked us all when he came out. He was eight pounds, 15 ounces, and 22 and a half inches long. The pain was rather unbearable, Uh, I ended up having to get an epidural, I actually ended up having to get two epidurals and both times it only numbed my right side. During my labor I started to have flu-like symptoms and by the end of my labor I had a low-grade fever. I ended up testing positive for the flu. But luckily, because I had the flu shot, my baby never contracted the flow. Uh, the doctor said that the baby took my immune system with him, and that flu shot protected the both of us. I nursed my son for three weeks and I had to wear a face mask while handling him. The hardest part of all of it was I couldn't kiss my baby it was It was the hardest part, and I cannot express how grateful. And fortunate I was to have like my husband step up and be so supportive and care for me and my son when I just couldn't. Now he's healthy and life goes on and here we are today.
8: My name is Caitlin and I had a home birth for my second son in January of 2012 and it- didn't quite go as planned, so originally we had an option of about two midwives in our entire side of the state that would do a home birth, and uh, the first one I chose ended up being a little too out there for me, even though this was during the height of my crunchy phase as a mom and person. So we ended up going with the second one who was a midwife that was also an RN, a nurse midwife, and I really trusted her, so everything was going great. Uh, She often delivered Amish babies, so she was fine with cash, but also admitted to receiving beef from cattle for payment. We did not have any cattle and lived in the city, so... Meanwhile, I was at 40 weeks, and I was at my due date uh, the night before our son was born, and in tears because I was never going to have this baby ever. So the next morning, not even it was 2:30 a.m. I woke up and was in full blown labor, and so this from start to finish was about four and a half hours. And he came very fast and furious, and things started right away. Yet, my husband thought this was a good time to maybe go back to sleep while I bounced around on a yoga ball in our living room. So, after a couple hours of that, I uh, essentially kicked him and told him it was time. But by that point, it was way too close to time. So, he called his mother, who lived about a mile from us, and she was a seasoned labor and delivery nurse. She still is for many years. And she rushed over to take our oldest son over to a neighbor's house, but also stuck around because she noticed things were progressing very quickly. So as she stayed with us while we waited for the midwife, I ended up just as a runaway train. It was out of control and I was feeling ready to have that baby quick so I'm on all fours mooing like a cow in my tiny little bathroom stuck between the toilet and the shower and my mother-in-law is humming away in the kitchen enjoying herself while she hand washes dishes and dries them and brews coffee and yells out to me how I'm just doing fine honey and I wasn't pleased. I did not care for the scent of coffee so I hollered about that and started screaming, who the fuck is making coffee? It was her. So as I move away my husband is calling the midwife and saying it's happening now. Something's happening and she said, don't worry honey, I've talked to many fathers through delivering their own babies before. It's going to be fine. And he said, well, then call one of them. I'm not equipped for this. Meanwhile, I am moving my way towards the birthing tub, which was also a children's kiddie pool sort of deal. It was something I ordered from Texas online with my birth kit. And it was a small swimming pool you would normally put in your driveway, but this time it was in our living room. And it was covered in really happy sea creatures, uh, smiling sharks, some jellyfish. Uh, Either way, they were there only to serve as an anger focal point for me later. So my husband is running around the house which by the way we prepped for this for a long time and somehow he still thought the water heater wasn't the correct temperature he threw on a tool belt for some dumb reason and was trying to hook up a garden hose to our kitchen sink to fill the tub once the tub was filled enough and at the correct temperature i got in and continued moving later I realized I had to push and midwives were not there. My mother-in-law was kind of concerned that the baby was gonna be coming out very soon. So I screamed at her, will you please check me for dilation? She did, which stands to be one of the weirdest experiences in our entire relationship where my mother-in-law put her whole hand up my birth canal but also had to grab a nearby lamp to shine it up my, you know. So that went good. And she said I was almost ready, but to try to hold on till the midwives got there. So that was not happening. My body just started pushing that baby out. Like it's like telling someone to stop throwing up mid vomit. Can't stop it. It just was happening. So I'm pushing this big honking baby out when the midwives are trying to haul their oxygen tanks up the steps and in the house and my water had already broken the baby was coming and he was there within 20 minutes or so that went smoothly he was healthy we were all overjoyed there was more shouting from me about donuts and wine at 10 a.m and after that we had all our families come over later well My mother-in-law and father-in-law are long divorced. Do not speak at all. But over that past year, my mother-in-law bonded with my husband's stepmother. And they had a little Maltese dog, a female, and decided to breed it with my mother-in-law's male Maltese. The puppies were born approximately five days before our son was born at home and one of those puppies was promised to my parents. So all the families gather in the living room to welcome the new baby, but it turns out they only wanted to talk about how bad they felt for Lily, the female Maltese, while she gave birth to five puppies. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there in the living room, stitched up on the couch that I had just given birth next to hours before, And they all wanted to show off pictures of the puppy, everything. I don't think they really even noticed there was a human genetically related child next to them, or literally in their arms, that a human woman, myself, had just pushed out this 8-pound, 10-ounce grandson for. So it went really well. And thank you for listening to my home birth Talk.
9: I was nineteen when I had my son. I was admitted into the hospital the night before and on the day of the next day I was induced at about twelve PM and it was pretty strange. I um <laughs> I remember walking around a lot because i felt really restless i got up one time so i'm like oh i have to use the restroom and just peed on the floor and i was like oh i should clean that up because might as well be, do something with myself and the nurses were like oh no we, they can do that and i felt bad so anyways as time goes on contractions start everything happens i got the epidural But the epidural only works on half of me vertically, so my, like, leg was numb and my arm was numb, and that was it. And so I felt just about everything, almost. But during the time of me giving birth, uh, they had to put me upside down, almost, on the bed, and I remember I was upside down, and I passed out. And then when I woke up, I was right side up, and my son was out of me, and I... Don't remember much because I was quite out of it, obviously. And I was bleeding profusely, apparently. I remember my, uh, doctor was, or my midwife was, uh, panicking because she's like, we have to get you stitched up. This is really bad. And when they were doing that, they handed me my son and I was shaking so badly. I I had no strength and I had to hand him over, unfortunately, because I'm like, I don't want to drop him. And so I had to give him back to the nurse. I'm like, I have to give him back to you. This is happening too much because the midwife, her stitches kept flipping. And it was, I felt all of that. And it was, I just remember telling the midwife, please don't make it hurt. Please don't make it hurt. And everything went well. Though after that, I had to be on iron supplements. After the fact, I found out that I almost died of blood
10: loss. My son was born healthy. This is Kristen. And this is the story of my first time giving birth. So actually, I was born at home. And I think that that really influenced my ideas about what I wanted my giving birth experience to be like. So when I was pregnant, I was planning for a home birth. And my parents drove out to Denver, where we lived. And they were going to be there for the birth of my baby and a little bit after to meet their newest grandchild. So. The day that I was in labor, my mom and dad were there. My mom was making me food and rubbing my back. And it was just really nice to have my mom there. And we were in touch with the midwife a little bit throughout the day. But every time we talked to her, she said, oh, it sounds like textbook early labor. So later in the day, my water broke. And so that was one of the indications of calling the midwife to say, come now. So we did. And so she said, "Okay, she was on her way. And then after they hung up, my mom told my husband, you need to call her back. I am seeing something when um, Kristen has a contraction. So we called her back and she told my husband to put her off speakerphone. I think the concern was that what my mom was seeing was the umbilical cord. But I still could hear her, even though it was on normal. Uh, The phone was on normal level. And I heard her say, Kristen needs to push really hard for her next contraction. So the next contraction came and a foot came out. (laughs) So the midwife said, Hang up and call 911. So we hung up and called 911. They were on their way. We called the midwife back and she stayed on the phone with my husband the whole rest of her drive over. And she got there. And immediately put the doppler in my belly, which is what hears the baby's heart rate. And the baby's heart rate was fine, which is a really good sign that the baby was not in stress distress. And then about a minute or two later, the paramedics got there. And ultimately, I ended up having to climb off the bed with the foot sticking out of my body, get a robe on, get on the gurney. They wheeled me to the ambulance. We took an ambulance ride to the hospital. Um, My husband followed quickly behind and wheeled me, you know, once we got to the hospital, I was wheeled to the operating room and the doctor said, I think she's going to deliver this baby breech, but um, I just need to check the positioning first, which was the most painful thing up until that point I had experienced. And that's when they discovered that the baby was not only breech, but sunny side up. And then the other leg was externally rotated and bent kind of like in tree pose from yoga. So he said to me, we're putting you under and we're getting this baby out now. Finally the gap, they put a thing over my face and I finally went out. I'm, I, you know, I don't remember that really. <laughs> but the next thing I knew I woke up and my husband was holding this squishy little thing and said, You have a baby girl. We had kept the sex of the baby um a surprise. So I was pretty altered from the anesthesia and then the drugs because you know I had an emergency C-section. So Obviously, I had drugs in my body, so meeting my baby in the first couple of days were all kind of a haze, which I don't particularly love, but I have a safe, healthy baby who is now four and a half, and then three years later, I did get my home birth experience. I had a successful VBAC with my son, which stands for vaginal birth after cesarean, and successfully delivered a baby at home. So that's it. My first home birth turned into an emergency C-section of a breech baby who is now still just a little spitfire amazing spirit. And my son is a little mischievous little guy. Uh, thanks for listening.
0: What can I say? When I plan a week of meals, I like to have some variety. And with hundreds of meals to choose from, CookUnity has that part covered. Go to cookunity.com what or enter code WHAT before checkout to get 50% off your first week. Not too long ago, I tried the Cauliflower and Chickpea Coconut Curry. I love curry anyway, but even if you're not normally a fan, you should try this one. It's one of the dishes prepared by Chef Michelle Bernstein here in Florida. She has a couple of restaurants here, and she's also a judge on the TV show Chopped, so you may have already seen her. But aside from the taste, it's the convenience. Because let's face it, even if I knew how to cook, I don't have time. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when mealtime rolls around, I pick out what I feel like eating, and within just a few minutes, it's ready. No prep and no cleanup. And when I say variety, I'm talking over 350 different meals from dozens of chefs. You can decide based on a chef you like, or protein content, or just what you prefer. The menus are updated weekly, so there's always something new.
11: Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of cook unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what.
0: We took it all. We brought them to our land.
7: An endless night.
12: My name is Denise, and my birth story is about the day I was born. The story happens over 52 years ago. My mother arrived at the hospital to deliver me and found out that I was breech, meaning my bottom and feet were positioned first instead of my head. This meant significant complications could occur, and the nurse was very concerned. The doctor had been called but was not getting to the hospital fast enough. The nurse kept telling my mother not to push. wait for the doctor to get there but that just wasn't possible and i was delivered before the doctor arrived once the doctor did arrive it was apparent why he was late he showed up stinking drunk to the hospital because of the breach delivery my left foot was bent during the process so the doctor took one look at me and told my parents that the entire left side of my body was paralyzed then left the room fortunately before my parents could fully process this information, the nurse assured them that I was not paralyzed. I just had a club foot. So I was placed in the cast that covered almost my whole leg for a while. I'm happy to say that there were no lasting effects from that unusual delivery. Love your show. Thank you.
13: This is Jennifer, and this is my birth story. Back in 2004, I was pregnant for the first time. I had death gestational diabetes, and I had a really hard time controlling it. So my baby grew quite large. And at 35 weeks, they said he needed to come out. She said it kind of quietly, and I didn't quite hear her. And since it was my first child and I was quite scared, I kind of ignored her, hoping that I wouldn't have to have him that day. But I did. So we went to the hospital, me and my husband, and we had to wait around for a while because we needed to test if my baby's lungs were mature enough. And I said to the test, and it waited about eight hours. And about 8 p.m. on November 4th, 2004, my son was born. He was born at 35 weeks, but he weighed 10 pounds, eight ounces. He was quite large. (laughs) He seemed okay. They did put him in the NICU to make sure because he was born so early. But he did okay. He got to go home. I think he was there for about four days and we went home. I was at the time trying to exclusively breastfeed. I was doing what everybody told me to do. They showed me how to put him on. He laughed perfectly. He would suck, but he wouldn't do it for very long. He was very tired. He was very tired. He didn't once open his eyes for the first week of his life. Never opened them. He slept all the time. And I was doing everything they told me to do, putting him on, waking him up, because he really wouldn't wake up to feed. He, he didn't cry at all. And he would latch on, but he would only suck for a little bit until he fell asleep. Finally, about after a week, I was like, this baby doesn't seem right. He wasn't um, waking up on his own at all, slept all the time. And I finally took him to the ER, and they told me he was severely dehydrated. If he had went another day, he could have died. And they took her back to the NICU and they pulled me aside and they wanted to talk to me like, what did you do to your child? And I told them I, I did what I thought was best. I put him on. Everybody told me he would be fine. He would be fine. He was a big baby. He would be fine. Well, he wasn't. I had to learn the hard way that I wasn't producing enough milk and he needed to be bottle fed. So that's what happened. He's okay now, 16 years old. He's a happy, healthy boy now.
14: My twin's birth was quite an adventure. I was 28 years old and was recently separated from my husband, and I had a a one-and-a-half-year-old son. My son and I had moved in with my parents for a short time till I could figure out where to go and what we would do. One day, my son started getting a cold that wouldn't get better, so after two trips to the ER, he was admitted to the hospital with pneumonia. The doctors informed me that he had a collapsed lung and would need surgery to remove this tissue, That had grown around his little lung. My son's dad came to see him a couple of times and basically left me to deal with our son for over a month while he was in the hospital. I was so stressed and sad. He was finally able to come home and they put in a pick line so I could administer antibiotics at home for him so we wouldn't have to stay at the hospital. It was exhausting. One night I decided to go meet a friend for a drink after my son was finally better. While at the restaurant, I ran into an old friend from high school, and we exchanged numbers to catch up. That led to a dinner invite, and also said, bring my son with us. I was so surprised, and I felt like it would be good to do something and get out of the house. At the end of the night, we put him to bed and ended up having a little too much to drink, and we had sex. I guess I did it a little bit out of spite, because I was so angry with my husband and all the crap that we had been been through, not thinking much about the consequences. Never have sex with someone out of spite. It backfired big time in my case. I realized that I wasn't into him like that and didn't really talk to him again for a while. I eventually missed my period and started freaking out. Sure enough, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. I struggled with what I would do. I was a single mom with a baby. How could I do this? My life was in no way able to manage having another baby right then. So I decided to tell him and he said, whatever you do is fine with me. At the time, I felt that there was no option but to have an abortion. That was what I thought would be the right decision, considering I was still married and I still had a young son. Well, a couple of weeks later, I was in the shower and I had almost passed out and felt really faint. So I went to the hospital and told them that I was about a month and a half pregnant, and they did lots of tests and an ultrasound, and eventually informed me that I was pregnant with twins, along with a lot of smiles and congratulations from the hospital staff. I hated the way I felt. I was torn with guilt and so sad. After I left the hospital, I called my mom and I told her, surprise, I'm having twins. She was ecstatic. Me, not so much, but I knew I had no choice but to keep these two precious lives and that God would help me find a way. So I told their dad, and he was super excited at first. After a few months, he sat me down and said, I don't trust that those kids are mine, and I'm not signing any paperwork as their father until I have a paternity test. I said that was fine, and then the rest of the pregnancy it only got worse. I didn't talk to him much, but I ended up on bed rest after six months because the stress and potty training a two-year-old was pretty tough, and I ended up going into early labor. My body started having contractions, and luckily, they gave me medication to stop it. Thank goodness for my mom. She was there to help me. The goal was to keep them baking in there for at least 36 weeks, so I did. Let me tell you, I was so bored being home, but I had so much time to bond with my son before they came, so it was wonderful to have that time alone with him. I made it to 37 weeks. When I finally asked my mom for some spicy enchiladas, I started having contractions at 1 a.m. We left my son with my friend. My mom and I headed to the hospital. They admitted me and said, well, you're having these babies today. So I waited around until about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I called the girl's dad, as much as I didn't want to. Shortly after that, the crazy started. He showed up and was pacing all around the room. He was so stressed out. Apparently, he called everyone he knew because soon a parade of his mom, grandma, sister, aunt, two best girlfriends, his two best guy friends, they all showed up in my room while I'm in excruciating pain in my bed. Eventually, so did the rest of his family. I was so irritated. After hours of this, I begged the nurse to get them all out of there. I eventually felt so bad and was in so much pain that I figured I better get the epidural. Well, that took two more hours. When it, when I finally got it, I was past seven centimeters dilated, and it just, just wouldn't work. My labor progressed over a couple more hours, and they told me that baby B was breech, and they would need to prep the OR in case there were complications. Luckily, baby A was in position and head down, so if she came out with no problems, they assured me that they would be able to probably deliver baby B breech if they had to. Best case was that with the extra room after the first one was born would allow her to turn around. So after some cussing and major pain, they said I was ready to deliver her. I wanted my mom to come in there with me, but their dad argued with her that he should be there. I was so mad, but I said, fine. Really, after a few pushes, he asked if he should hold my hand or something. I told him, do not touch me. This is all your fault. So he didn't, and a couple minutes later, out popped Miss McKenna. She was six pounds and three ounces. This baby had dark hair, and I'm blonde, so I was surprised. Then their dad said, well, my hair isn't that dark. I knew that those weren't my babies. I was so mad. How dare he say such a thing at that time? As I'm catching my breath, they told me that I had dilated back down to seven centimeters and would have to continue laboring until I got back to 10 centimeters. I was shocked. What do you mean? How long is that going to take? They said, well, it could be half an hour. or It could be hours. We don't know. So they wheeled me and the baby back into the room to continue laboring. I was miserable. I begged for another epidural and they said they had to order another one and it could take a while. And I'm like, what? It's still in my back. Just get another dose. Anyway, the only name that we agreed on at that time was McKenna. I wanted to name baby B Lillian after my grandma and great-grandma from Sweden. He felt that this was a great time to argue with me about names and refused to agree to anything that I liked. This should have been a warning that I would be dealing with this kind of thing from him for the rest of their lives. My mom finally asked him to stop, and he wouldn't, so that same sweet nurse asked him to leave the room. The nurse had left, and about two hours later, I felt this big bloop, and that baby dropped her head down low. And man, the pressure was unbelievable. I told my mom in a panic to get the nurse because she was coming out. So the nurse came in very nonchalantly and said, oh, that baby isn't coming. But I said, yes, she is. I could feel her head. So she checked me and sprung into action. She flung open the curtain, ran down the hall, calling for the doctor. Now I'm glad that the epidural didn't work because I would not have felt her coming. My mom looked and said she could see her head and I was freaking out. Her dad came back in the room by that point, but luckily he was able to keep quiet. As soon as the doctor walked in the door, the baby came out all on her own. I didn't push her anything. My body just pushed her out and he caught her just in time. My mom thought it was, she was going to have to deliver her if he didn't make it. Out came my sweet baby without a name. She weighed six pounds and 13 ounces. Oh man, I was so relieved, but only for a minute. While everyone was looking at the babies, their dad started in again. What are we going to name her? I want Kayla, and I don't like anything else that you like. At that point, he had beat me down. I couldn't argue anymore. I said, fine, let's name her Kayla Lillian. I was delirious at that point, but he still wasn't happy and argued that we had to name her after his grandma, Jewel. Fine, she will be Kayla Lillian Jewel that seemed to make him pretty happy. My babies were strong, healthy, and perfect. They were so cute, and to my surprise, looked nothing alike. One was brunette, and the other was a blondie like her mama. The next day, a lady came in with the birth certificate paperwork, and since he didn't want his name as the father until a paternity test was done, I put the last names as mine. Wouldn't you know it, he just happened to walk through the door as I asked what was going on. So I told him, and he started fuming. He called me a shady bitch and yelled in the hospital room that I was trying to keep him off the birth certificate. I explained that he can change it later, and I thought he didn't want to be on it. So he ended up putting his name as the father and gave them his last name. I could probably write a book with what has happened since then with these babies and what we've gone through. And it's still going on to this day, and they are 13. But that's a story for another day.
1: When my mother was pregnant, it wasn't standard to go to the doctors every single month or have an ultrasound unless the doctor had concerns. So my mom only went to the doctors when she found out she was pregnant and then when it was time to deliver. And when it was time to deliver, my mother delivered at the hospital, but it was a section off the hospital. So more like a birth, natural birthing center. So she goes in, delivers my brother and they're waiting for the second part of the delivery and nothing's really happening. So they're trying to get things moving along and they realize that there's something still in there. So everything went to chaos. They tell her, "Listen, we don't know if there's another baby in there or if it's a tumor." So they're trying to speed things up to figure out everything that's going on. Unfortunately, they don't have like the uh necessary necessary tools to do an emergency C-section right there because it's off the natural section of the hospital. They they wait a little bit longer. And they end up finding out it is a baby, and I am breech. So I was delivered breech, and my mother started hemorrhaging. This is she has no pain pills or anything, so she is super woman. They were able to control the bleeding. The umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck, but thankfully I was okay, and I was a surprise of a lifetime. And since then. They did make a rule at that hospital that anybody having a baby in the birthing center ha- have at least one ultrasound, just to confirm there's no twins. <laughs> my mom, she's a superwoman.
3: My name is Christy. On May 9th, I presented as a breech baby, and the doctor yelled, I see toes, and immediately sedated my mother. He proceeded to push me back up inside her and turn me around. My mother said we were both badly bruised and the doctor said he could have lost us both. I was born during the Lucille Ball show, an original, not a rerun. That was 55 years ago. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Have a great day.
15: Hi, Scott. I wanted to share my childbirth story with you and your listeners. When I became pregnant, I didn't feel that rush of connection with the child growing inside of me. From what I read and heard from so many other people, they reassured me that the moment I saw my baby, I would feel the connection that I had longed for, and that this bond would be immediate, and I would feel overwhelmed with love and attachment to this baby I'd grown inside of me for nine months. And during labor, the nurses said, just wait until that moment. You're going to get there. It'll all be worth it when you see your baby and you fall in love. And I gave birth and I felt nothing. I saw my daughter and just, it was like seeing a slimy little stranger. They put her on my chest. I nursed her, I held her, I did skin to skin. I did all of the things that I was told helped promote this amazing bond that I was supposed to be experiencing. But I I did not experience that at all. And I faked it with my friends, with my family, even my husband didn't know how I felt about it for quite some time, because I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, and I felt like an absolute monster that I didn't have this feeling that I was supposed to have. I'm a very loving and caring person, so for me to not feel that was absolutely heartbreaking. And I truly felt there was something wrong with me and that I didn't have the motherly instinct that we hear so much about. It took some time, but I now absolutely adore, love, and cherish my daughter, who's almost two years old. Um, I think for me, maybe I am just the type of person that needed to get to know my baby. And once I did, yes, I have this unbelievable bond with her. I can't imagine life without her and I would do anything for her. But I do want to dispel this myth that it's automatic, it's natural, and it happens right when you have a baby because that is simply not the case. Um, After I shared my experience, I did finally have people that admitted to me that they experienced the exact same thing. I wish this was something that people were a little more open about. It would be really helpful to other mothers and parents who may not feel the initial bond that they are hoping for. Thank you. My story starts
5: March 3rd, 2016. I had sneezed and felt wet, not super wet felt wet and I went to go clean up and it was a lot of of mucus when you're pregnant. You get a lot of mucus. So but it was a big, big clump. I ended up calling the nurse and she had told me go to the ER. So when we got to the ER, he immediately took us back. I did the test for um water breakage and my water had broken. I was only 21 weeks pregnant that Saturday, so a couple days later on, it would be the twenty two week mark. They checked me into the room. And they had me hooked up to the monitor for the heartbeat, and I had IVs. They would check on me every now and then, but they never really told me, hey, you're gonna lose your kid. They never really told me, so, you know, this is what's going on. As in, like, um, you're only 21 weeks pregnant, and it's not looking good, your water shouldn't have broken uh you know let's check out your cervix let's do something it was just oh, lay here you know if the baby reaches 23 weeks it'll be great you'll be you know we'll be able to help a little more so i laid in that bed i laid in that bed and laid in that bed laid in that bed very naive and stupid the very next day we had an ultrasound and there was still some fluid in the in the womb and he looked fine he was moving he had a strong heartbeat So they were, you know, okay, just lay in bed. Everything's, you know, not good, but it's not great. Um, Your water is leaking. There's enough in there. And so that made me go, oh, okay, let me just lay still so water doesn't leak out. Nothing happens. Well, later on, I got up to go to the bathroom and I wiped. Um, When I wiped, I felt a bulge, like his head was coming out because we found out it was a boy. And I screamed. And I, all I could think of was I screamed like the horror films and my fiance bursted into that room and we called the nurse and come to find out it was the sack of which our son was starting to protrude. So I'm like, there's no way, no way in hell I'm getting up out of this bed. I'm not getting up out of this bed. Time goes on and I'm laying there and I'm going in a urinal, the urinal pan and I'm not moving. I'm uncomfortable. I can't sleep. I can't move. I don't want to move. Third day, March 5th. March 5th, they were telling me, nope, you got to go home. Your insurance doesn't cover. Another day, you got to go home. I said, no, give me all the bills. Give me all the bills. Not going home. Not happening. I will stay another week, and if this has to happen, 23 weeks, you guys can do something. Yeah, that's true, but you got to go home. And so my fiancé and mom were like, okay, so she's going to get in the car and give birth very soon here. They're like, oh, well, yeah, it's a possibility. They're like, why should we go home? Well, because of the injury. Okay, well, you know what? Not, n- no. Not too long after that, though. However, at the time, I didn't know they were labor pains. But they were labor pains, and they hurt. They hurt, hurt, hurt. And all of a sudden, all I could say was, he's coming. And he literally slid out. He literally slid out of me onto the bed, and I just laid there and cried and cried and cried and, and you feel like a failure. you feel like you you just killed your your kid. you feel like you let down everybody. you know my fiance's bawling his eyes out and you know, macho man, don't cry and he lost it he just lost his son. Ethan, we named him Ethan, ended up living for 98 minutes in my arms. They would monitor his heart and um just a little stethoscope and we all took turns holding him you know um his dad and his grandma and i and he passed away he was crying very little i mean it was it was very soft but he was moving he was perfect 10 fingers 10 toes black hair dark eyebrows he was 11 ounces he was 12 inches long and um my life went out the window. My heart, peace of my heart left and will never return. Just throwing it out there. They made us, before we had to leave, find a cremation service for him or a funeral home, which most places do not take babies of that size. But we finally found one. We were going to have him cremated. But before we ended up leaving, At the hospital, we had him in the room with us for 10 hours because I couldn't let him go. His dad had to pry him out of my arms at 10 hours because he didn't want to remember his son not in the way he was born. When a body is deceased, it turns and he didn't want us to remember him that way. So he had to pry him out of my arms. We ended up bringing him down the hallway and there's a whole bunch of babies crying and I heard a woman screaming in labor and all I could think of was I am a failure I suck my kid's dead I'm never gonna get to see him again and it was it was worst so um we ended up getting to see him one last time before he was cremated that was that was hard very 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 hard let him go (laughs) he's cremated he's in a very small little urn in the bedroom, and he's in a heart around my neck. Uh, You know, five years later, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, I get triggers. There's certain songs, you know, seeing kids that would be five years old now or so on. I have triggers. But I'm better than, you know, lots of people would think I'd be. I wanted to take some time and uh, talk about October is Pregnancy Infant Awareness Month. Just please, everyone, if you could do uh, a little favor that would help a lot of moms and dads out who have lost a child, just do a little research on what to say, what not to say, things like that, because I've been through so much of people saying certain things that they're they're well-meaning, but when you've lost your whole whole future you've lost hope you've lost memories that you're never going to be able to even hold except for the ones of your you know your son in your arms who's not alive that there's some things that just shouldn't be said you know and everyone wanted that pregnancy it's not oh you can try again stuff like that there's things that you just don't say anyways i'm gonna just stop here thank you
7: so much thank you Hi, Scott. My name is Lindsay. I'm adopted and I've met my adoptive parents. I also have given up a daughter for adoption and met her as well and have a relationship with her. I have had an atopic pregnancy resulting in emergency surgery and I have had two healthy children. My daughter, who's 11, and my son, who is six although I wanted to focus on my son and his story for this message. I found out I was pregnant pretty early on in my relationship with my son's father, about a month into it. We had gone to several doctor's appointments, and he was growing faster than he should have. And it turned out that he had the placenta had separated from the wall and It caused polyhedrominus, which is the excess of amniotic fluid in the uterus. So it was like akin to him swimming in a Olympic sized swimming pool for and we usually babies usually are in a little bathtub of amniotic fluid. As we were going through, it kept getting larger and larger and they I ended up being hooked up to heart monitors every other day for both him and myself. And it eventually caused kidney failure around the seventh month mark. And once I was in the hospital for about a week for that. And then after that, we got to the hospital, and we started having ultrasounds every single week along with coming in every other day for the heart monitors. And we found out that I had pre-eclampsia. And then um, on his due date, or not due date, a couple, a month before his due date, sorry. I went in just like any other day. They took my blood pressure and it turned out my pre-eclampsia had turned into eclampsia. And they told me to notify his father and anybody else I needed because I was going to be taken back and I was having my son that day. So they induced labor and gave me the epidural and everything. As we were going on, I kept pushing and pushing and he would not emerge. And we found out later that we had a naturalist doctor. So she was very intent on me giving birth naturally. And as we found out later, that would not be, it wouldn't have been feasible and that had made it from work and my dad had come down from work and they both stayed awake all night. This, this doctor kept making me attempt to give birth and he would, just would not come out. So everyone was staying up for like 24 hours. Finally, the other doctor came in and took one look at me and I had been pale and I had been asking the other doctor if I could just have a C-section already and just get him out. And she looked at my vitals and everything and was like, you need to go have an emergency C-section now. So next thing I know, I was headed to the OR and there was about 50 million different doctors around me. And they had told my husband and myself that because of the condition I was in, I might pass out whenever I was giving birth but as they were doing the c section i stayed awake the whole time and when he when they actually had him out i didn't hear anything and i said why is there no crying and why why is why don't i hear anything and i remember the doctor standing over me saying birth isn't like it is on tv you don't always hear anything and i knew like immediately even though he said that i'm like something's wrong with my son that's not normal. I've given birth two times before. I have like quite a history here. Like it's not right. And then all of a sudden we heard code blue everywhere and found out that he had been born not breathing and, um, with a very faint heartbeat and he was blue. And so they had to take several minutes of life-saving measures for him. And finally they got him stabilized after about a minute, minute and a half. And, sent him down to the NICU and I got sent back to my room where I found where they did testing and they found out I was in liver failure and kidney failure. So I had to have some emergency medications and procedures done to save my life as well. I was in the hospital for about a week and a half and my son was actually did come home with me, but we had to have daily doctor's appointments after that. Um, he was still needed to be put under a bilirubin light and have some additional breathing measures done because his breathing was very shallow. Um, so thank you for listening to my stories. Hi, my name is Megan.
2: I am a single mom. I did the whole pregnancy loan. I went into labor with him slowly. It progressed slowly over a few days, but I just wasn't dilating enough, even on the medication that's supposed to progress labor. So after the second day of my water leaking, I was only about six and a half centimeters and the doctor was worried about infection for my son. So they rushed me along. It was so quick that my mom who was with me didn't even have time to come with me. I'd been telling them, that the epidural wasn't working, or the spinal. And after getting in the operating room, they did a like a test to see if I could feel anything. I said, yes, I do, and it hurts. And they said, no, you don't feel pain. You just feel pressure, and proceeded to cut. It was unbelievable agony. So, of course, I cried out, and very quickly, I was put under anesthesia. I didn't even know that I had actually... (laughs) I thought... I thought I dozed off. It had been almost three days at that point that I was awake. But no, when I woke up, he was already gone, and they were putting me back together again. I missed that first look at him because they didn't believe me.
16: Hi, this is Nikki, and this is my birth story. At the end of my pregnancy, I woke up soaked, went into the hospital as I thought my water broke, I was told no and sent home. A few days later, I went into an ultrasound and was told I need to go right to the hospital because my fluids were low. Got to the hospital late afternoon and was allowed to eat right after they started my induction. Was fine all night and then the next morning and I was like, I got this. And then the contraction started full force. When you are induced, contractions aren't like normal, so they were coming right on top of one another and primarily in my back. I really had wanted to have a natural birth, so I agonized with the contractions for a while. Stood in the shower for ages because that gave me some relief. Finally came out, and the nurses tried to help me find a position that would help with the pain, but nothing helped. I felt like my back was being broken over and over again. So I got an epidural, and my blood pressure plummeted. A few hours later, the epidural wore off again because I was still in labor with no end in sight. Got a second epidural, and again, blood pressure plummeted. And again, it ran out. But this time, they tried giving me a smaller dose, and I was fine. But still, no baby. Was super uncomfortable, had sciatic pain, despite the fact I should be numbed, had horrible heartburn, and ended up throwing up everywhere. And then the second night, and my water finally broke, but still nowhere near dilated enough. Finally, about 3 p.m. on Sunday, Mother's Day, I was finally ready, and I pushed for three hours. My daughter was not happy about being evicted and shoved her shoulder in in protest, and she decided to vimp. Midway finally called the doctor in, and he finally got my little girl out, only for her to need to be whisked away for care as she was gray. I had a lot of tearing as well, so I didn't get to do skin to skin, and my husband did not get to cut the cord. Thankfully, my daughter bounced right back, and I got to hold her about an hour or so later, and she looked right up at me, and I swear she smiled, and I decided the baby-making machine was closed for business.
11: Hi, my name is Rebecca, and um my labor and delivery story is a little bit funny um starts off a little sad though when I was in school to become a registered nurse, I had an acute illness that almost resulted in death, and after that illness, I thought that I didn't want to return to school because things change a lot when you're on the other side of that bed and you're seeing things as a patient. But one of my professors talked me into coming back, and I credit her for the fact that I graduated. When that professor is not teaching, she is um, the head of the labor delivery unit at our local hospital. So a year after graduation, when I was going to have my first child, I immediately wanted her. The second that the pain started, I... Well, I was in denial about it for a couple of hours saying, no, this wasn't labor. It was a little early. Um, I was just having Braxton Hicks contractions. But eventually, my husband taught me into going to the hospital as he was in quite a panic. He was not happy that I made him wait at the house so that I could wash my hair and shave my legs and repack my bag. But when we finally got in the car to go there, we had to take the dog down downtown to drop her off at a friend's house. And then since it was the middle of the night, all the traffic lights seemed to be stopped. So my husband ended up running traffic lights and he ran through some train tracks because he couldn't see the train coming. And um he said every time that he stopped, I had another contraction and it freaked him out so bad that he felt the need to drive through. So we got to the hospital and I waddled inside and all I could get out between my contractions was <laughs> asking the uh, unit clerk where my professor was, because I just knew she had to be there. And luckily she was. I was still in denial that I was in labor. Um, when I finally got to a room and everything, I ended up having the baby within Three hours of arriving at the hospital, which is not actually very healthy. If you have, if you're in active labor for less than four hours, it's considered precipitous and it's not the healthiest thing for a mother or a child. But um, everything ended up being okay. My doctor was busy with someone else in another room and all I wanted was for my professor to stay there and deliver my baby. <laughs> And um she almost got to at the very last second the doctor ran in the room, but my professor handled everything from the time I got there until after the baby was out. And I was absolutely delighted that she was the one that got to do everything because I do credit her for the fact that I became a registered nurse and now I'm in school to become a doctor of nursing. So um I credit her with that as well. I'll be a family nurse practitioner just like her. And that makes me really happy.
3: Hi, Scott. My name is Jen, and I am calling in to tell you my story. So after nine months of carrying my firstborn and delivering him, on my very first night home from the hospital, I laid down in my bed next to his and I immediately sat up as fast as lightning as I realized for the first time that I finally know another person who shares my DNA. I cried hysterically. I am an adoptee whose records were sealed until 2019. This was 26 years ago, and I now have three children. I did an ancestry test and finally had my biggest wish fulfilled, or so I thought. I found my biological family, including a full sister, which was where the awful insanity began. Some secrets are meant to remain secrets. Also, when I had my second child, she was born, I ended up with a pelvic thrombosis blood clot headed for my lungs, which could have given me a massive heart attack at 26 years old, and I had not. If I had not been rushed into the hospital, the emergency room, I may have had a massive heart attack. Keep in mind that I had no health history info at the time. Doctor after doctor asking me if there's heart attacks or clotting in my family. For all I knew, maybe my bio mom died when she had me from the same condition. As this was back in 1997, and I still didn't have any medical history or any knowledge of who my biological family was. So I thought that was kind of maybe what you were looking for in an interesting birth story. And thank you for letting me share.
0: Well, that was fun. Hey, remember to check out Sylvia's story on the website page for this episode. And now before we end this one, I'd like to ask for some feedback from you. Yeah, I'm talking to you because you're the listener and you are the most important part of this whole thing. As you probably know, each regular episode of What Was That Like ends with a segment called Listener Stories. This episode will even have one, even though the whole show was Listener Stories. I like to end each episode with one of these. This is just a short story, something that takes maybe three minutes, four minutes, five minutes to tell, and it's about something unusual that happened to you, the listener. Just stop and think right now. What's the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you? Or what's the most surprised you've ever been? Or what was the time when something happened and you just sat there in shock for a few minutes? Or how about this? What's the story about something unusual that made you really, really happy? Hey, maybe you even have a childbirth story and we didn't get to include it in this bonus episode and now you're inspired to tell it. That's perfect. There are a couple of ways you can get your listener story to me. One way is to just call my podcast voicemail line. That number is 727-386-9468. It's available any time of the day or night, and it's always voicemail. That line never gets answered by a human. But when you call that number, you have a three-minute voicemail recording that you can do. Now, what if you get partway through and you get confused or you mess up your words or something? No big deal. Just hang up, call back, try it again. You can do that as many times as you want, until you get one that you're happy with. So that's one way. But what if you're outside the U.S. and can't call a U.S. phone number? Or what if your story is one that takes longer than 3 minutes to tell? Well, that's great. If that's the case, you can just record the audio on your phone. The app that I use for this sometimes is called HiQ. That's just H-I, then a dash, then the letter Q. It's a free app that I use on my Android phone, I think iPhones already have an app like that. So you can just record the audio and then email that audio file to me at scott at whatwasthatlike.com. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. And hopefully you'll hear it too on an upcoming episode in the listener story segment at the end of the show. And now we'll close with this week's listener story. You'll never guess what it's about. Next regular episode is coming up in one week. So I'll see you back here real soon.
17: I had a very unique childbirth experience with my second. I was in my first semester of nursing school. Uh, I was just going, I was going to be due a month after the end of the semester, which was into the summer. So I was going to have a little bit of time with my baby before I had to go back to school. And I had One teacher in particular, she was teaching the fundamentals of nursing, very beginning core course. Um, She specialized in geriatrics, and she would joke with me all the time, you're not contracting, are you? Because if you are, I'm just calling an ambulance because I don't do babies. (laughs) Um, So there were a couple of times throughout the semester that me and some of my friends pranked her and made her think I was going into labor just to make her nervous, and uh, it kind of became this joke. Well, I was walking into my last final of the semester, which just happened to be for her class, and as we're getting ready to go in, my water breaks, and I just kind of stopped, and I turned to my sister-in-law, who was also taking the class with me and I said, my water just broke. And she looked at me and later she said that she knew I wasn't joking because she could see every single freckle on my face because I was so pale (laughs) because I was scared. (laughs) This was about a month before my due date. Um, So some of the girls ran into the teacher offices to get my instructor And they were saying her water broke and she took a little while to come to me because she said, you guys, I'm not doing this, uh, thinking that it was a prank again. (laughs) But they finally convinced her to come out. So she comes out and she kind of, you know, looks at me. I was wearing a dress and she slightly lifted it up to make sure there wasn't a big bag of saline in there or something that I was using to trick her. And once she realized that, yes, I was indeed serious. She said to my sister-in-law, go ahead and take her to the hospital. I'll figure out another time for you guys to be able to take your finals. So we went to the hospital and we were kind of laughing and joking about it. And I was told later that I did my fellow classmates a huge disservice because now they couldn't think about the answers on their test because they were so surprised and they just couldn't stop thinking about what had just happened. Anyway, I get to the hospital. I had planned on not doing an epidural, not because I disagree with them, but simply I just wanted to see if I could do it. And so I labored for about 24 hours and I was not progressing. And I was up and walking around, and I passed this really large blood clot. And even though I had not taken OB in nursing school yet, I thought, you know, I don't think that that's supposed to happen. (laughs) So we called my nurse in. She came in and checked me, and she discovered that my baby's cord was coming before the baby. It's called a prolapsed umbilical cord. It is a medical emergency. It is very, very dangerous because after, or each time you have a contraction, it cuts off the baby's blood supply. The doctor came in and he was talking to the nurses about what was going on. And I said, what does all this mean? And he said, it means you have to have a, an emergency section right now. So they started getting me prepped to go to the OR. My husband was starting to get on a suit that you have to wear to go into the OR. And the doctor said, after looking at the baby's vital signs, he said, you know what? No, I'm sorry. You can't come back. This is, this is dangerous. We have to take her right now. And so they wouldn't let my husband go back with me. I remember them rushing me into the operating room and I had worked in an operating room for several years and when I saw all those people and how fast they were setting up I thought oh something bad is happening this is very serious they put me under general anesthesia since I didn't have an epidural in place so I wasn't even awake for the c-section and uh, I was terrified I went to sleep with tears rolling down my cheeks because I was sure that I was not going to survive. But when I woke up, I asked my nurse if my baby was okay. She said, yes, she is, but they have to take her to a different hospital because the hospital I was at did not have a NICU. Um, I was told she had lost about 75% of her blood volume because along with the prolapsed cord, I also had what's called an abrupted placenta, where the placenta begins to tear away from the wall. And the doctor said the placenta did not look healthy, and it looked like it had been abrupted for days to weeks. So my baby was taken to another hospital, and I stayed there to recover from my C-section. The next day, they allowed my husband to drive me over to the hospital, even though I was still a patient And Let me see my baby. She ended up being in the NICU for 11 days. She had to have a blood transfusion along with some antibiotics. She was on oxygen for three months after she came home and then again for a month when she was eight months old after contracting RSV and bacterial pneumonia but she is nine years old now, and she is healthy as can be, and we're so grateful to have her in our family. But it's definitely a memorable experience. I will never forget it.
13: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working,